2: Pop, pop. All right, you guys. Happy Monday. This is Morgan. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to talk all about this disinformation board, government's disinformation board put out by the Biden administration through the executive tyrannical bureaucracy, the fourth branch of government that our founders never intended to exist in the first place. Um, we're going to talk about that. But first, if you guys want to support me, you can go buy a Zegers Freedom Flag made by me. And now my actual actually, well, actually, my whole family works there now. Um Sometimes, I mean, we'll drag my sister and she's just not a fan of woodworking, but my mom, my dad, and I were always hanging out in the workshop. You can use freedom, code freedom for free shipping on your Zegger's Freedom Flag at zegersfreedomflags.shop. And then also, you guys, I run a nonprofit and it's right in step with everything that's crazy and going on these days. A few years ago, I had this idea to start interviewing survivors from socialism and communism because we don't learn enough about it in the public education system. And I, I figured, you know, why not hear it from the people who experienced it themselves and did so much and sacrificed so much, went through so much to make it to the shores of America. And so I've been really passionate about this for a long time. And it's really important, especially now that we learn what happened in the past and the tactics that were used by the left in order to come to power and maintain their power. And how it all failed, of course, because um, it's failed every single time. But it's important to understand what happened in the past so that we don't repeat it in our future. And we're going through it right now. We weren't properly educated on these issues. And so we don't have any red flags go off in our heads because we aren't even taught that the this behavior, things like a governance disinformation board. We weren't taught that that's a red flag to begin with. <laughs> so uh, we're falling for it pretty hard right now. And I think hearing from survivors of this kind of stuff, really dangerous ideology is one of the best ways that we can learn and protect America's future moving forward. Um, So not only does it honor their stories, but it also selfishly equips us with what we need now to save our country. Um, you can go to young Americans against socialism on YouTube and rumble and subscribe. And you guys, you're going to want to, because we have new episodes of this series that we've been filming in Dallas, one hour interviews with all the survivors. It's going to be coming out in June. So subscribe now to the channel. Cause we're starting to put out like the vlogs, the behind the scenes stuff, a few of the like shorter videos and everything in preparation for the release of these longer videos. Again, it's young Americans against socialism on YouTube and rumble. Um, Last thing, please subscribe to this podcast before we get into it. I work really hard to to evaluate the current events and really find a lot of historical context for you guys to give you an understanding of the big situation that we're up against. I try and do it every episode, and I would really appreciate if you could give me five stars and leave a worded review. It would help me out a lot. Um, that being said, let's get into the podcast. Yeah, so under the executive branch, one of the three branches of our federal government, under the executive branch, a new thing, let's call that a monster, is being created, and it's called a Governance Disinformation Board. Let's see what happened here with the announcement of this.
1: Orwell's book was meant as a warning to the world that this kind of society could become reality under the wrong people if the wrong people were in charge. But it looks like the Biden administration is taking Orwell's work not as a warning, but as their own manual. Now, yesterday, the White House announced a brand new department called the Disinformation Governments Board. I'm not kidding. A board aimed towards tackling disinformation ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. Here's Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas confirming it yesterday. Watch. We have just established a mis- and disinformation governance board in the Department of Homeland Security to more effectively um, combat uh, this threat, not only to election security, uh, but to our homeland security. We are uh, addressing all aspects of election security, um, given, of course, the midterm elections that are upon us, and the fundamental uh, integrity of our democratic processes that is at stake.
2: That's right, you guys. You heard him right. That is the leader of the Department of Homeland Security saying that they have to fight disinformation in preparation for the upcoming midterm elections. Now, my initial take on this was the fact that the people who are telling us math is racist and men can get pregnant and climate change will destroy the planet in 10 years and children should be able to take hormone blockers, they have now created a federal bureaucratic disinformation weapon that will one day be used against any wrong thinkers. They claim it's for this one specific issue right now, um, for protecting the midterms and disinformation about our elections. But you guys, at this point, we should all know what this means, considering what they have labeled on social media to be misinformation or disinformation uh, over the last few years. And so there's a lot of lessons in this, but we're going to get into it. The big, big, crazy thing here is that These people who are pushing a ton of lies at us and continue to lie to us are now going to have an actual government arm. So it's not just big tech, private companies doing the government's dirty work. We now will have a taxpayer funded federal group that is dedicated to declaring truths. And this is one of the first direct attacks on free speech in this country, not just big tech removing people from their private company platforms that, yes, can be considered the public square. And and so there is that separate argument. But I am talking about now there is a federally funded section of the government dedicated to declaring truths in political conversation. So I put out a, a warning to you guys that I was going to be talking about this and asked for questions to be submitted that you guys wanted me to answer. The first one is, what is the disinformation board a smokescreen against? Is it, is it High prices, Ukraine, are they trying to distract us from something? Um, let's hear what Jens Saki says this entire board is for.
1: Here's Jens Saki today dodging that question.
2: Can you give us an idea of what this board is going to be doing, what their authority would look like?
1: Sure,
0: Jackie. I really haven't dug into this exactly. I mean, we, of course, support this effort, but let me see if I can get more specifics. We know that there has been a range of disinfo out there about a range of topics. I mean, including COVID, for example, and also elections and eligibility, but I will, I will check and see if there's more specifics. There's-
2: All right, so you heard it here. This disinformation board is going to be about the midterms. Um, What's even more interesting, though, and, and I will probably get into it in a little bit. This is about COVID. This is about Hispanic and minority communities. You guys, whatever they list out as being the initial reason, it's a government program that's now being created. Okay, it's a government board, and there's going to be no way to control what they end up doing and what they're going to declare as the next challenge in disinformation. So just expect it to be weaponized to fit whatever political mold they will need in the future. Uh, one of the most popular questions that I got was, were people asking, what the heck can this board even do? Uh, so I found this article from Daily Mail kind of explaining that initial interaction when they announced this. And it says, Mayorkas explained that the board would work to tackle disinformation ahead of the November midterms, particularly in Hispanic communities. But Mayorkas did say that the new board would come under the Biden-era Center for Prevention Programs and Partnerships, meaning it would have no powers to crack down on disinformation and will instead try to combat it by throwing money at what it sees as problems. The CP3 program provides communities with resources and tools to help prevent individuals from radicalizing to violence. Last year, CP3 awarded $20 million in grants through its targeted Violence and Terrorism Prevention Program. It is unclear how much cash will be spent on this disinformation board. Mayorkas noted that the focus on the new board would be to stop the spread of misinformation in minority communities, including election misinformation ahead of the 2022 midterms. He added that it would focus on the latest trend of misinformation allegedly targeting Spanish-speaking voters. No one, no further details on the exact misinformation being deployed against these communities was shared. Um, okay, that's, that's a lot. Now, back to this idea. It's going to be used for... A multitude of issues moving forward, unless it's obviously stopped, and I hope it is. Um, but one of the important things that they're referencing is this apparent misinformation that's being spread to Spanish speaking communities via Spanish speaking uh, communication, and they aren't sharing any information on it. Now, what immediately came to my head, you guys, just for this one, is my friend Giancarlo Sopo. So, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I interview people that have firsthand testimony to surviving socialism and communism. I also interview uh, sons and daughters and family members because a lot of the time these people have already passed away, but they've shared their stories with loved ones or a lot of the time, the um, older members of the family cannot do the interview. And so there's multiple reasons for why we also do this, but Giancarlo Sopo came and shared his family story uh, from Cuba. And later on, like a couple years after I had done this interview with him, he became one of the leaders in the Hispanic outreach for the Trump 2020 campaign. And guys, they killed the game. They killed it. It was fantastic. They had massive success in the Hispanic communities as voting demographics. And they did such a good job, and it really freaked the left out. Now, this information is pretty widespread on the Internet, but the left, the Democratic Party, and in general, the ideological left, far right and or far left and liberal sides. Hispanic communities are very pro-family. They're very pro-hard work. They're very uh, religious. And they're starting to realize that the left doesn't exactly align with them on, on anything. And so they are making that realistic change in their voting patterns. And so Giancarlo Sopo, when they did this effort for the Trump campaign, they were doing Spanish speaking campaign ads. And it was something that really just hasn't been seen before at that level. It was really, really good. I think they had a song or something. It it was, it was making headlines and I can't remember, but Either way, they did a great job. And so my my thoughts went right to him and their efforts, because this, to me, says that the left is very concerned about losing this very important voting block for them. And they are claiming that via these Spanish speaking ads, disinformation, misinformation is being spread to these communities. And it will be again for the 2022 midterms. Um, The fact that they couldn't cite any examples of misinformation is also very concerning. Now the next logical questions that I got from you guys are who the heck is going to be on the board and what, you know, what qualifications do you have to have to be appointed to a disinformation board? Well, You guys, it's incredibly hard to Google things these days. I don't know if you've noticed this. I have to deal with this every day. A lot of people do. There's massive censorship in the Google search and on social media searches. And so it's really hard to find information. Not only that, but the media doesn't cover it. And then if conservative media outlets cover it, the links are hidden when you try and Google these keywords. Um... So I, I actually I searched Biden Ministry of Truth when this first came out, and I kid you not, Google's response to me was a blank page that said, uh, "This search category is is having many many results popping up, and so it, it's just moving too quickly." And it, it was just like a blank page. It was the weirdest thing. Um, they're really trying hard to hide it. Now, when it came to me trying to figure out how the heck you get appointed to this board and what, what qualifications you have, I cannot find a single, a single source on how you actually are on this or who is going to be on it, but everybody is talking about who is going to lead it. Her name is Nina Jenkowicz, and oh my gosh, you guys, um, she's been going viral for all of her past, basically being drug up now.
1: Yield to the ranking member, Mr. Jordan.
0: you, gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Secretary, who's Nina Jenkowitz?
1: Um, she is the newly appointed um, individual in our Office of Policy in the uh, Department of Homeland Security. Is she
0: the new executive director for Disinformation okay. Governance uh, Board? She is the
1: executive director for the Disinformation Governance Board. And
0: this is, is this the same individual who said the dossier was real and the Hunter Biden laptop story was false? Is that the individual who's now running the Disinformation
1: Governance Board? Uh, I'm not familiar with those statements. It's been reported widely not familiar with those things. I'm just asking the if that if gentleman's the... time has expired uh, for the purpose of a unanimous well,
2: uh, okay so if you if you recognize again that's another bureaucrat being called to be held accountable for a very serious issue and what do you know just like Jensaki he's like I don't I haven't really heard of that. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so Nina Jankowicz uh, shocking to me that The leader of DHS has not seen what she has said about actively spreading disinformation herself and then claiming that her side just never does it. Um, That's right, you guys. She's been caught many times spreading false information. So we're going to get into that because it's really important that you know about it. So yeah, one of my biggest pet peeves is to see bureaucrats or press secretaries being asked very serious questions that you absolutely know they are aware of and they just say, Oh, um, I, I haven't heard of that. Um, I'll have to look into it and get back to you because once again, the, the whole point of our system is checks and balances. And one of those major checks and balances is first of all, a free press. So holding these leaders accountable, asking them serious questions and doing it like in the white house press pool with Jen Psaki, she's supposed to stand at the podium and answer to the people. That's the whole concept. And then we're supposed to learn about what they are up to. How do you do that when, when it comes to the serious issues, she goes, Oh, I you know I don't I don't know. I haven't heard much. I'll have to get back to you. And then what do you also do when the leader of agencies like the Department of Homeland Security, Mayorkas is brought in front of Congress and the whole concept of that is to hold people in power accountable by asking them questions in front of Congress. These Congress members, you guys are representatives of the people. And so that's the whole point. These we, the people are represented by these congressional actors politicians who then have the power to call members of the government members of of major corporations whatever it may be that are up to interesting you know interesting actions and ask them serious questions about what they are doing and what they know about the situation how do we do that when when it comes to the hard questions like have you heard of Nina Jankovic the person you just put in charge of the disinformation board have you heard about her record have you heard all of the disinformation she herself has spread have you heard about what she said about hunter biden's laptop and the DHS secretary goes, oh, haven't, haven't heard about that one, you guys. He's heard about that one. He's lying. And so, so what is the fix when something like this, these basic concepts of checks and balances and holding people accountable, bringing transparency to the issue via our, our great system that we have in this republic, what do we do when that's just not the status quo anymore to, to f- carry out the process? So I think it's really important if they're not going to answer this stuff, if they're not going to be transparent, we the people have to do the investigation and the evaluation of the situation on our own. Um, So that being said, let's look at this clip of what she had to say about how she feels about Trump supporters.
1: She was the one that was shuddering over the thought of Trump supporters showing up to the polls in 2020. Watch. I think there's a general concern about Trump supporters potentially showing up armed to the polls to intimidate people and quote-unquote watch, and that's very disturbing.
2: So that's how she feels about Trump supporters, that we would potentially show up to polling booths with firearms to intimidate people into voting a certain way. Don't you just love that? Um, She's also tweeted, quote, by all means, let's regulate social media, but let's do it with proper thought and consultation, with the nation's best interests at heart, not with the sweep of a Sharpie in response to a specter of political censorship that doesn't exist. So she believes that political censorship does not exist, but she... I don't know, maybe she just hasn't heard of history before, world history, leftist history, but what happens when leftists rise to power is massive cen- censorship of information, usually with something titled similar to a governance disinformation board. And so she's now put in charge of basically a political censorship organization within our government and then has the the gall to tell us that political censorship does not exist, when it, it absolutely does, you guys. Um, that being said as well, when somebody says something like, we need to we need to do things with the nation's best interests at heart, and these kind of people think that democracy is about to be removed from our society because of evil right-wing terrorists, domestic terrorists, um, I get a little concerned hearing stuff like that. Now, here's something as well. Um, to go along with the, the spread of mis- or disinformation, here's what she had to say about how uh, America's going through Something similar to what's happened in history. She's talking about Russia. She's talking about other situations of, of propaganda throughout history. And, and she says we aren't going through a color revolution, but we do certainly have some issues. And perhaps most importantly, these events usually happen in response to a rigged election. Even today, we should still have the confidence that our votes will be counted fairly and
1: accurately. I do. And as a reminder, there's only one candidate who is tweeting about rigged election
2: results. So, in short, color revolutions aren't dirty, they're expressions of democratic will, and they should inspire us all. P.S. Make sure you're registered to vote. But what's crazy, you guys, is she's saying that only... The right side, only Trump, only his candidacy and campaign. They're the only ones claiming that there was bad behavior in an election, that they they don't believe the election results. But you guys, this is another situation of an outright lie. Hillary Clinton, ever since the 2016 election, has multiple times and she even did it this year, 2022 has said, you could do everything right. You can have the best campaign. You can have the best uh, platform. You could do X, Y, Z right as a woman. And then you could still have the election stolen from you. She says that. And you can still have the election stolen from you. She alludes in many of her speeches over the last handful of years since 2016, she alludes every single time that she had the election stolen from her. So to have the leader of the Governance Disinformation Board now funded by the federal government, tell us that only one side in politics claims that there was uh, misbehavior or or bad acting during a campaign and the claiming that that an election result was wrong is disinformation in itself. So you can lie and then accuse others of being the only liars and you are the arbiter of truth. Very, very concerning. That brings me to The next question, a lot of you guys said, why can someone so sketchy with a provable history of saying ridiculous things be a truth czar? That's a really great question. So she accuses Trump of claiming that the elections were rigged unfairly, and then completely ignores the fact that Hillary Clinton for years has been claiming she had the election stolen from her and should be president right now. Completely ignores that. So that's just one example, but you guys... It's pretty bad. And so um, she has been wrong many times. She said that the Hunter Biden laptop story was a Trump campaign ploy, supported censorship of the story. And then what do you know, after the election of 2020, the even the left wing media, so like New York Times, even they had to come out and say, "Okay, yeah. So it turns out the laptop is real. The information on the laptop is real. I guess about this, she had tweeted, Disinformation experts say there are multiple red flags that raise doubts about their authenticity. We should view it, the Hunter Biden laptop, as a Trump campaign product. And she later said not to mention that the emails on the laptop don't need to be altered to be part of an influence campaign. Voters deserve that context, not a fairy tale about a laptop repair shop. Um... So if you guys don't know this, Hunter Biden dropped his laptop off at a laptop repair shop and left it there. And then eventually the guy who was able to see what was on the laptop uh, started sharing this information because it's some crazy stuff. Like it's Hunter Biden being very intimate, let's say that, with like a Chinese <laughs> a Chinese spy from the CCP. Uh, maybe she's not a spy, but, but an agent from the CCP. So that's great to begin with. And then there's a ton of Emails discussing the business deals between him and his business partners in places like Ukraine and communist China, and then quotes of, and then ten percent for the big guy. And so the the concern here is that you know the big guy is Joe Biden, who is our president. Great stuff. Um, she also supported the letter by over fifty intel officers who claimed the laptop was just a scam to begin with. So this idea of her supporting the censorship of. People trying to share the Hunter Biden laptop story that later turned out to be true. She claimed it's false, supported censorship of it. But then, guys, guess what? Media Research Center did a a study, a poll, asking people what their political thoughts would be and what their voting decisions would be had they have known about the actual Hunter Biden laptop story that was true. And it says 45 percent. Of Biden voters said they were unaware of the financial scandal enveloping Biden and his son, Hunter, a story infamously censored by Twitter and Facebook, as well as ignored by the liberal media. According to our poll, full awareness of the Hunter Biden scandal would have led to 9.4 percent of Biden voters to abandon the Democratic candidate flipping all six of the swing states he won to Trump, giving The president, 311 electoral votes. President Trump would have won the election. So see how things get really bad really quick when you support the hiding of important political information about a candidate? Um, That right there, you guys. Nina supported the censorship of this story. That turned out to be true. That would have swayed 9% of voters at least, which would have swayed the presidential election. And I don't mean to get political. I'm just saying look at how crazy the awareness or lack thereof of an issue can can be in terms of its impact on a nation look at all of the harm that he has caused president biden uh in just the last year and a few months that he's been in office it's it's really a shame to see this kind of stuff and to know that now this woman is put in charge of a disinformation board so this is the thing like i don't want to be ridiculous about it there's a ton of videos of her singing Because she's been passionate about disinformation for a long time and and fighting it in her words. And so she does have a bunch of random singing videos. I'm not going to play them all because I think it's a little overplayed and this is a pretty serious issue. To laugh at her as if she's like ridiculous and not serious at all because she made some TikTok singing I think is dangerous because she represents so much. And it's not just like it's a her problem it's not just that this woman is now in charge of the board it's that the board exists in the first place and she is in charge of it yes but there are a lot of people behind the scenes that support this and the concept of it so so don't get too wrapped up in like oh we have this kook who's in charge of the board and she's going to be crazy with it she's just the representation of the board right now and she could be removed at any moment it is interesting though to see these little videos
1: it's how you hide a little idle lie. It's how you hide a little idle lie. It's how you hide a little idle lie when Rudy Giuliani shared that in from Ukraine. Or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain. They're laundering disinfo when we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice or vote. Oh, information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a it huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlets. so Information's origin seems likely less atrocious. <laughs>
2: is not that quite strange um but yeah so like i'm saying don't get caught up in the the cheap takes on social media making fun of her for this video instead focus on the core purpose and powers and funding going behind this new entity that is the board because nina could get taken out at any moment there's a million of her so this is much bigger than just crazy little nina okay the left is turning more and more totalitarian with their approach to to politics and with their approach to ideology and what the government's role is in this. And so even President Obama himself, he said recently something along the lines of like, I'm all for free speech, but you can't spread lies. And the problem is they want us to now believe that basic objective truth, like uh, men and women, two genders, they want us to believe that these are actually lies and it fits their political agenda. And if we say we disagree, we are going to say that there are two genders and that's something that's always been agreed upon until now with your crazy political agenda. We are accused of being liars. We are accused of being the bad people. And then they use the accusation that we are lying as justification for why we shouldn't be allowed to communicate these things because it can be dangerous. And so if, if we do a good example, I recently spoke at Colorado School of Mines, and I talked about that, I think, in the last episode. And I had done before I got there, I was there to speak about the Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers. I do a podcast, Returning Point USA, on them. Um, I was there to speak about that and about the history of socialism and communism. So it was more of like a history-focused speech. I get there, and there's 40 students outside protesting, protesting me, and they have all these human rights posters. And so in their minds, they found out that a conservative was coming to campus to speak about history. So then these little activists who feel like they have to save humans from um, terrible oppression of conservative thought, they had looked me up on the internet and found stories that I had done because I do news clips and I do um, news interviews and I do some other like teleprompter work and stuff for, for media companies. I had done a couple stories on one of the situations being women's sports and protecting them, just making sure that there was fair competition. And then also a story of a young girl that was raped in a bathroom by a boy at a school um, who wore a skirt and wanted to go into the boy, into the girl's bathroom. So she got brutally sexually assaulted and I covered the story. And these students claimed that because I had covered this story and because I did it in a way that, that, you know, stigmatized all trans people to be bad, and because I said that there are just boys and girls, men and women, and said that we shouldn't appease the less than 1% of the population that identifies as trans by allowing them to go into the girls' bathroom, which makes an unsafe environment for the 50% of the population, which are the girls'. They said that I was anti-trans, which then turned into transphobic. And then, because my comments made people, or they claimed, would make people hate trans people because I dared to share a story about a girl getting assaulted in a bathroom, they said that I was scaring trans people and making them hate themselves, which would make them kill themselves, which meant that trans lives were at risk because of my speech. Are you following along? Like, this is actually what they said. So, my speech was then turned into violence- Against trans people because the telling of the story of what happened would make them feel bad about themselves and create a dangerous environment for them leading to more trans suicide and then on top of that I was also internally misogynistic because my conservative values hate women but I digress. Now if you followed along with that see how easily they were able to say well your political speech covering this story or sharing this information or claiming that there's only two genders makes trans people feel bad about themselves and that means they might kill themselves which means Your speech should not be allowed. So they were able to say, Morgan, you can't say a basic scientific fact. There's two genders because well, 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 that actually is kind of like political violence. (laughs) So if you follow that along, it makes a lot of sense why they're able to do something like this and how dangerous the control of speech can become. So they're able to easily, with their, their woke terminology and their, their very compassionate claims of trying to save trans lives, they, like, at my protest that they had for me, they literally had posters for human rights. <laughs> and I was like, did I ever say I didn't support human rights? What are you talking about? But. All of a sudden, they turned me into a transphobic, anti-human rights person for saying that there was just men and women as genders. Um, The Things can get very dangerous very quickly, and that's why they were then using that as justification for why I shouldn't have been invited to the school in the first place and why my presence on campus was scaring the children. I I kid you not. That's how ridiculous the whole situation became. I'm very scary, don't you know? (laughs) And that brings me to my big concern. Um, A lot of people, when we talk about free speech a lot of people on the left will say something like, well, you can't yell fire in a theater. We have free speech, but not absolute free speech. You can't yell fire in a theater. But there's this this growing misunderstanding of what that means. You can't yell fire in a theater when there isn't a fire in the theater. You can't lie to people and create massive, dangerous scenarios and situations. And that's the whole point of like, if everybody's in a dark movie theater and it's crowded and everybody's sitting there and all of a sudden someone says, fire! Fire! It's, it's not a safe situation. It could harm people, and it's completely intentionally wrong and, and a, a not true situation. That's why you can't yell fire in a theater. But if there is fire in a theater... Or if you think that there is a fire in the theater that you are in, it is perfectly okay to say, guys, I think there's a fire in the corner over there or guys, there is a fire in the corner. If you're looking at the fire and the movie theater is on fire, you should absolutely and you absolutely can say, "Uh, hello, there's a fire. Everybody might want to leave. So that's the big difference here and the left will tell us as we are trying to bring attention to something like the Hunter Biden laptop story we are saying fire fire he is very romantically involved and has inappropriate tapes that will be used against him of him with somebody from the CCP the Chinese Communist Party and there's all these emails about a percentage of his overseas business dealings going to the big guy his dad Joe Biden who's now the president hello fire 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 in the theater, we are looking directly at it. And what do you know, you guys, the left censors us, tells us you are inappropriately yelling fire in a theater. There isn't a fire and the entire place is burning down at this point and they have completely hidden it. So that's the problem. Why can't we say a basic truth? And then why are we accused of lying? Getting more into the questions that you guys had, somebody said, is this the beginning of the end for real? Um, A lot of other people are saying, is this to strike back at Elon? Is it a response to Musk's buying of Twitter? Um, To have lawful argument for censoring now? Uh, You guys, this is the scary part. No, it was not a reaction to Musk buying Twitter. This actually came about, if you go back to that initial clip that I played of the hearing in Congress, this hearing took place, and it was brought up how, yes, they have a new disinformation board. This was in the creating process. This has been being created for a very long time, apparently. Not a lot of information is available about that yet, but I hope um, GOP senators and House members can investigate this. Please, please, please look into this. Um, And and anybody that has the power to do so, but there's not a lot of transparency on this. The, The really concerning thing is that this wasn't like a quick random, oh, we've lost control of Twitter? We need to make a disinformation board. No, you guys, it's way worse because it's revealing the fact that they have been planning to have control over information leading into the midterms, and they have been planning this for quite some time. Um, so that's something we need to be aware of. Um, somebody asked, is Obama behind this, as Tulsi alluded to? Um, you guys, Tulsi Gabbard tweeted, Biden is just a front man. Obama, on April 21st, said social media censors quote don't go far enough, so that government needs to step in to do the job. Six days later, Homeland Security rolls out the Ministry of Truth, aka Disinformation Governance Board. Um, like I was saying earlier, this isn't just Nina. This isn't just Crazy Nina and her TikTok singing videos about disinformation being bad. It's not just her on mainstream media saying she thinks Trump supporters are going to bring guns to the election locations, uh, you guys, this is a very intricate system that's being uh, created to be weaponized against American citizens. I think this is an active, entire um, system that's being created where they can start to have a lot more control of the people. Um, big picture. So this is basically now the government publicizing, because now they're being public about it, they're publicizing the fact that they are, are working to create state-led censorship of thought and information. One person, Jim, said, What is the point? Why is Department of Homeland Security involved? Well, if they consider people on the right to be dangerous to the future of the country, the way we've often been accused of, I mean, I'm called like a domestic terrorist half the time these days. It's ridiculous. Um, If you think of it like that, And then if you think of the things that they've said, I mean, let's listen to what Kamala Harris said.
0: What do you see as the biggest national security challenge confronting the U.S.? What is the thing that worries you and keeps you up at night? Frankly, one of them is
2: our democracy. And that I can talk about because that's not classified. Um, It really does. So that was our vice president of the United States getting asked a handful of months ago, what she believes is the greatest threat to American national security. And she said, our democracy, protecting our democracy and the potential loss of it is her, what keeps her up at night. And so then, I mean, it makes sense. If that's the mentality of the leaders of the left, our vice president, and no doubt earlier, our president and everybody else behind them if that's their mentality, that this is the number one national security threat, of course they are going to create something in the Department of Homeland Security that will protect democracy from these evil right-wingers. This is a natural progression. Now, You guys, going back to that protest of Colorado School of Mines, they truly believe that conservative basic thought that honestly liberals and conservatives used to agree on in the sense of like two genders, basic science, all of this stuff used to be normal. And now all of a sudden we are considered radicals, we're considered dangerous, and I am told for saying these things, for covering these stories my presence on a campus is threatening physically threatening to all trans people and to the students on the campus that deserve to have a safe space away from my points of view you see how things are just getting a little weird at this point um but here's the thing so let's let's understand what is free speech because you have a lot of people that are like this is america i can say what i want yeah you, you can't um and that's really special, but people confuse that. And so, like the social media argument, for example. Yes, you can make the argument that Twitter is the public square. Let's let's take that section of the argument out of out of the equation. In general, if you create a private company with a private platform, you can control things. You can you can say, you know what, I don't want to allow certain things on my platform. It's a lot and and what's the problem is that people then say, You're taking away my freedom of speech. No. Freedom of speech is not being controlled by a private company of what you can and cannot say. Freedom of speech means that the government cannot harm you or hurt you for what you have said. You cannot be punished by the government. That's the thing. By the government, that is freedom of speech. For saying things that go against the government, for saying things that go against the tide. Being able to have free speech means that you are not punished with law, with government action. Or like literally thrown in jail. And that is where we are stepping into now. Because it's the ability to say things without punishment. And now the creation of something in our government that can... Have an impact on an individual's life that can hold someone accountable for, quote, spreading disinformation or whatever the heck they're going to do to us when they find a disinformation spreader. Who knows what they're actually going to do with it? They won't be transparent about it. That's for sure. It's impossible to find on the Internet. Um, That's where things are getting a a little scary because you just never know. Now, here's the thing. This is a very classic step for the radical leftists when they come to power in a country. A lot of people are alluding to 1984, saying this is just Orwellian, saying that this reminds them of the book. And if you guys haven't read the book, I mean, you absolutely have to. It's a classic, but I am a big believer in hearing the stories of people who actually lived through this stuff instead of just referencing books that aren't that aren't real. I mean, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense and it's very relatable to what we're going through these days, but 1984 is not a real situation. What are real situations are the control under the USSR of thought and the, the political censorship in the USSR and all of their satellite communist countries. And the same thing with the cultural revolution in China where you, you had to eliminate old ideas and you were killed if you any it spread any of the old ideas into society. It was very serious, but I did pull out some of my favorite sections of 1984 to give you an understanding of why people are always referencing it in case you haven't read it and if you hear a lot of people they call it the ministry of truth um, from the Biden administration instead of the disinformation governance board or whatever it's called so um, 1984 talks about how there's a ministry of truth in there too it says even the names of the four ministries by which we are governed exhibit a sort of impudence in their deliberate reversal of the facts the ministry of peace concerns itself with war The ministry of truth with lies, the ministry of love with torture, and the ministry of plenty with starvation. These contradictions are not accidental, nor do they result from ordinary hypocrisy. They are deliberate exercises in doublethink. For it is only by reconciling contradictions that power can be retained indefinitely. In no other way could the ancient cycle be broken. If human equality is to be forever averted, if the high, as we have called them, are to keep their places permanently then the prevailing mental condition must be controlled insanity. Another section. A party member is expected to have no private emotions and no respites from enthusiasm. He is supposed to live in a continuous frenzy of hatred of foreign enemies and internal traitors, triumph over victories, and self-abasement before the power and wisdom of the party. The discontents produced by his bare, unsatisfying life are deliberately turned outwards and dissipated by such devices as the two minutes hate and the speculations which might possibly induce a skeptical or rebellious attitude are killed in advance by his early acquired inner discipline. The first and simplest stage in the discipline, which can be taught even to young children, is called, in Newspeak, crime stop. Crime stop means the faculty of stopping short, as though by instinct at the threshold of any dangerous thought. It includes the power of not grasping analogies, of failing to perceive logical errors, of misunderstanding the simplest arguments if they are inimical to Insog, of being boring or repelled by any train of thought which is incapable of leading to a heretical direction. Crime Stop, in short, means protective stupidity. But stupidity is not enough. On the contrary, orthodoxy in the full sense demands a control over one's own mental processes as complete as that of a contortionist over his body. Oceanic society rests ultimately on the belief that Big Brother is omnipotent and that the party is infallible. But since in reality Big Brother is not omnipotent and the party is not infallible, there is need for an unwearying, moment-to-moment flexibility in the treatment of facts. The key word here is black-white. Like so many Newspeak words, this word has two mutually contradictory meanings. Applied to an opponent, it means the habit of impudently claiming that black is white, in contradiction of the plain facts. Applied to a party member, it means a loyal willingness to say that black is white when party discipline demands this. But it means also the ability to believe that black is white, and more, to know that black is white, and to forget that one has ever believed the contrary. This demands a continuous alteration of the past made possible by the system of thought which really embraces all the rest and which is known in Newspeak as doublethink. The alteration of the past is necessary for two reasons, one of which is subsidiary and so to speak precautionary. The subsidiary reason is that the party member, like the proletarian, tolerates present-day conditions partly because he has no standards of comparison. He must be cut off from the past just as he must be cut off from foreign countries because it is necessary for him to believe that he is better off than his ancestors and that the average level of material comfort is constantly rising. Man, that is really good. Um, last one. Okay, last one. I, so I could read this forever, but... The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. His heart sank as he thought of the enormous power arrayed against him, the ease with which any party intellectual would overthrow him in debate. The subtle arguments which he would not be able to understand, much less answer. And yet he was in the right. They were wrong, and he was right. The obvious, the silly, and the true had got to be defended. Truisms are true. Hold on to that. The solid world exists. Its laws do not change. Stones are hard. Water is wet. Objects unsupported fall towards the earth's center. With the feeling that he was speaking to O'Brien, and also that he was setting forth an important axiom, he wrote freedom is the freedom to say that two plus two makes four. And if that is granted, all else follows. It's quite fascinating. So I'm sure you can see now, if you haven't read the book before, you can start to see why people reference it so much. Um, because it's it's just beautiful and it, it puts so much into, into view. Um, so that being said, that's a book 1984 by George Orwell. But if you look into history, you'll see that this this thought control actually has played out before. I mean, exactly what I was reading, that is what happened in the Cultural Revolution in China. Okay, you guys, this is such an important topic. I have so much that we need to cover, and, and we're only just moving into uh, history, historical context, and big picture stuff, and then the rest of your questions. And so I think I'm going to cut it off here, and we'll do a part two, but... For now, thank you for caring enough about this to listen. Thank you for caring enough to want to learn and be more aware of these issues. I I know it's... It's really not that big of an ask. I, I, I'm always shocked to hear people that say, I just don't have time for that kind of stuff or time for politics or time for podcasting. But you guys, I'm always consuming content, whether I am reading an actual book or if I'm listening to a podcast or I'm trying to listen to actual initial speeches and press conferences. When it comes down to the rise of the radical left and the destruction of this country, It just matters more than any other thing that I'd rather be listening to or any other way I'd prefer to be spending my time, especially if all I have to do is is dedicate an hour or two every day to listen to some podcasts and to read some extra books or listen to an audio book as I'm working out or cooking or meal prepping or whatever it may be. I mean, I like to hike in the morning and listen to podcasts then I work out, and I listen to podcasts, and I'm just always trying to learn, especially from original sources. But I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this, to learn more, and I will see you for a part two episode where I answer more of your questions and go over the historical context of this. Um, again, you guys, please subscribe to this podcast. I'm going to be doing multiple episodes per week from now on, on current events, breaking this kind of stuff down so that we can all be more aware of this together. And if you want to flag from me, go Go to ZegersFreedomFlags.shop, use code FREEDOM for free shipping. And of course, if you have been freaked out by all of this news of this government disinformation board, um, subscribe to Young Americans Against Socialism on Instagram or on YouTube. And then we have an Instagram as well. But but follow us because we are a nonprofit. We interview people that actually lived through the rising uh powerful groups of the left that come into power take over the government and then ruin the country and it's amazing to hear their first hand testimony so um i'll see you guys next time thanks for listening